Thank you for joining me in another episode of my podcast, Until Divorce Do Us Part. My name is Finest and I'm a divorce coach, life coach and mom to two fantastic kids. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things divorce and life lessons. Today, we'll be talking about how money or the lack of money can affect your decision making and what you can do to fix it. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after this. Welcome back and thank you for joining me. So today I'm going to be talking about how money or the lack of money affects your decision making and how the lack of money tends to keep us in a relationship that we no longer want. So let's talk about what keeps us in a relationship that we no longer want. So many of us are contemplating divorce for years before we actually say the actual words that you want a divorce, we know it's over, and then we wait. But what exactly are we waiting for? So some of us tell ourselves stories that it'll get better, that tomorrow will bring good news or better news, that our partner will see the light and see how valuable the marriage is, see how valuable you are, how valuable the relationship is, and they will magically change into the partner you think you had or think you want. And then some of us are in fear, panic, and anxiety. I remember when my sister Susan would call me years ago when I was still married and ask me, what are you feeling today? And I would say, I'm feeling fear, panic, and a pinch of anxiety. And then we'd laugh But seriously, that was what I was feeling deep down. And I think I would say those things because I was acknowledging my pain without actually acknowledging my pain and actually doing something. I had known for years deep down that my marriage was over and that there was no us. And it was just him, the kids and me who were all separate entities and living together as separate entities. And after a while, we did very little together. And when we did, it was not fun because I knew it was just a one-off. It was going to happen today. And then, you know, six months would pass and, you know, we wouldn't do anything else. And I actually had a better time without him being present. And by the way, when you begin having a better time without your spouse, it's time to reevaluate something. I knew I could be myself without him judging me for not my fine qualities but for my bad ones. So anyway, the key was I knew something was wrong, but fear, anxiety, and panic made my feet basically immovable. I was willing to stay fixed in the poo rather than move out of the stench I knew was poo, but chose to call it roses. That's basically what I did. And we make up excuses, and some of them are actually true. I remember a time when my ex was going to leave and I panicked. And I said something to him to make him stay, knowing full well that what I was thinking about was, how will I make it with our newborn? That's all I remember thinking, that he had access to all the finances and 
I would be sitting there with nothing. And I knew who I was dealing with because I was in fear. I had to have known who I was dealing with. Because if you think you're dealing with someone who has your back, who would never leave you to live on the street, then you wouldn't fear anything. But I had fear. So I understand if you're a stay-at-home mom, what are you going to do to keep you and the kids from living out of your car? If you're a lower-income worker, what are you going to do to support the household? And what about health insurance? If you're on your soon-to-be ex's insurance, but that will only last for as long as the judge says, you know, that your soon-to-be ex can get rid of health insurance for you. And then you're out of luck unless you have some kind of stipulation that allows you to remain on their health plan. I know my ex couldn't wait to get me off that health plan. Didn't matter if I had pre-existing conditions, didn't matter what was going on. As soon as the court said he could drop me from the health plan, I was dropped. No questions asked. So there's a lot to think about. So of course you're scared. And that fear keeps you fixated on the worst that can happen to the point of sacrificing your peace, sacrificing your joy, and sacrificing your very essence. How many of you out there are not who you once were? How many of you dread the car pulling up to the driveway, the car door close, the sound of the engine turn off, and how you're in absolute panic? Which one is worse? The one where your fear about what you're going to do about money and health insurance outweigh the dread of their coming home? So we allow fears to creep into our decision making, which makes it impossible to actually make a decision. We allow the what are you going to do to keep you from your joy, your peace and your tranquility. So I'm here to tell you that when your financial footing is stable, we are then able to make concrete judgments. This is one of the reasons finances is such a big deal in divorce especially in California. It is not cheap to live here and making minimum wage will barely, if it even does, pay the rent, much less anything like food, clothes, utilities, etc. So shoring up your finances is key to being able to make decisions. It allows you to tap into what you are actually feeling versus the fear of living in your car and having to deal with your personal issues. Unfortunately, the higher wage earner of the relationship knows these things already. They know they'll be okay financially. So that's one less thing for them to worry about. It's a known fact that women have a harder time with money than men. Now, that doesn't mean that all men make more money or are stable. But for the most part, what men have that women don't is confidence in going for a job. I remember reading an article that talked about the fact that when men go for a job, even if they don't match exactly what the employer is looking for in terms of job description, they still apply. But many women won't because we need to see that we qualify for every single thing that the employer is looking for. And I know men have had a head start. So we have some catching up to do. And the one thing we don't need during divorce is financial instability. And have financial instability keep you 
from making concrete decisions. Because when we don't have it, when we don't have money, we fall into falling for, you know, the hero. And the hero is the guy who, or the woman who we meet either during divorce or right after, who bails us out of rent, car payments, utilities. And even when we know that they're not right for us, we hang on to them for dear life because we need that lifeline. Wouldn't it be better if we could be our own hero? And actually, when we are trying to find a new mate, our new mate is our hero in another way. He is our lover. He is our friend. He is something other than the guy who bails you out every month. So having your financial ducks in order precludes that from happening, or at least you're not making decisions based solely on you can't pay the rent this month. So what can we do to help ourselves in the meantime? Well, you know the life you had when you were together? You know, the two bedroom, the two car, the decent bank account. Well, forget that and now deal with what you have and make that work. That's the beauty of some women and some men. When the chips are down, you see they're down and you work with what you have. You give up Starbucks. You give up the subscriptions. You downsize the car. You recycle your clothes. You sell them on eBay. You cook and eat in. You improvise. You make it fun and not a chore. Because once it becomes a chore, it becomes something that you don't want to do. And it goes against what you're trying to achieve. Because you have to remember, it's a reboot. It's a start from scratch. You know, the vacation you wanted will have to wait. Going strawberry picking instead with the kids or driving out to see the the poppies in the field, which are really beautiful, by the way. Camping at Joshua Tree become your new normal. Forget what the exes are doing and what they're able to do and where they're able to go and where you can't go and do what you have to do and enjoy that. It's when we look over our shoulders at what once was is when we lose track. I remember my first Christmas without my ex and just remembering how I wanted it to be the same. Well, that would be something because, you know, I was broke. Christmas couldn't be the same. But in my mind, it had to be to make leaving worth it. What I had forgotten was that Christmas was never about the things. It was about the feeling. And the feeling you can't buy. I wanted the same expensive nuts I got from the expensive stall at the farmer's market, the same turkey pan to roast the turkey, the same stuff. And at first I was disappointed that I couldn't deliver what I thought my kids needed. But they had everything they needed. Not to sound cliche, but they had love. So I improvised. I went to the 99 cent store for stocking stuffers. Trader Joe's for the nuts and the candies. I shopped off season to get gifts on sale at steep discounts and we had our new Christmas and it was brilliant. I hadn't realized that something different could be good because I had always equated different with worse, especially during my divorce. Anything different was worse. Forgetting that what I was in at that time was already worse and it couldn't get any worse than that. So Just know things can't be the same. 
because they're just not. And the only way things can be the same is if you stay in the marriage. That is the only way. So if you've decided you're getting divorced, you have to release the notion of sameness and embrace the changes that you'll have to make. So we have to get ourselves motivated when it comes to money. I know as girls we're told about gold diggers, about wanting a man for his money. And in order for us to go against being called gold diggers, then we have a very toxic relationship with money to the point of not even having a relationship with money. And I say this knowing that when you go into court, I see more men represented in court by an attorney than women. Why is that? Because of our toxic relationship with money. We have no money, typically. There are some women who are doing very well for themselves and can afford an attorney or can afford to put it on numerous credit cards and make it work. But for the most part, there are a lot of women who are sitting in court without a penny, without representation. So our toxic relationship with money is to the point of not knowing anything about it during marriage and leaving up to our partners or our partners outright just telling us that they make the money so they pay the bills. It reduces our relationship to money to the point where when we need an attorney, we don't have the money for it and find ourselves up against a soon-to-be ex who has an attorney and there we sit self-represented because we have no choice. This allows you a choice. It's time for us to change our mindset about this because having a relationship with money allows you to be able to make decisions separate from it. How can you decide to divorce if you have access to no cash? It's impossible to even think about it if you have kids in tow. Because let's be honest, not everyone is keen on paying child support and spousal support, male or female. So we have to change our thoughts about our finances without thinking that that's all you think about. It comes as no surprise to me that when women think about money, it's considered gold dinging or greedy. And when a man is thinking about money, he's considered successful and a provider and all of these other positive things. We have to change our mindsets on this because at the end of the day, you're going to have to be the provider of your own household. We never question men when they think about money. So let's stop questioning ourselves. As I said earlier, it's very rare that I run into a man who has no money to represent himself in court. Many men are dealing primarily with how to separate assets and the emotional component of divorce. Very few are worried financially. They know they can pick themselves back up and begin again. And that's where we should all be on an even playing field where what we're dealing with is the emotions and the loss of the marriage and not the finances and other emotions and the loss. It's a lot to handle all at once. So we can change our thinking and change our pattern of how we deal with money so we can resolve the whys of the marriage failing and look to a brighter present. We all need some semblance of peace and you can get it by not setting anything aside and dealing with what you have to deal with. I would like us all to be in a position where if we want to divorce, that we are thinking about why the marriage isn't working versus I can't afford to divorce. 
Because once we're in that position where you're talking about what is failing in the marriage, then you can talk about what is failing in the marriage. You're not talking about, well, what is failing in addition to how am I going to survive if I leave this marriage that isn't working? So this means getting your hands dirty, get a budget together, know exactly what money is coming in, what money is going out, and definitely don't let anybody make you feel bad that this is what you're doing. This is necessary for you and it's necessary for your children because when we think about money for ourselves, it now becomes our money. It's yours and your children's money and no one can live in this world without it. And no one really wants to be dependent on someone who doesn't want you to have anything either. So when you're getting child support and spousal support, don't think that it's a gift. It's not a gift they're giving you. They're giving you something that is court ordered. Most of the time it's court ordered. If your ex had a choice, they wouldn't give you one penny. So if you think about it like that, and you think about it in terms of survival, then you'll take care of it in the way that you need to take care of it. And the best part will be that when you decide that the marriage is over, it's one less thing to be worried about. So I'm going to end it there until the next episode. So please subscribe so you won't miss it. And let me know what topics you'd like to hear more about. I'd be interested to know so I can make sure I'm addressing all of your needs and concerns. I can be reached on Instagram at LA Divorce Coach, on Facebook at LA Divorce Coaching, and on my website, finestbennettdivorcecoach.com. <laughs>